Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. I am your host, Danny Murray. I am joined by a friend, and you may recognize her from a couple weeks ago, having her back, uh, Kendall Bennett, formerly uh, at Blazers Edge, but now doing all the things everywhere else uh, and being successful in life. So, <laughs> Kendall, thanks for joining us. Yes. Working on it. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. Hey, well, I'm glad to have you back here to talk uh, playoff basketball and the Portland Trail Blazers matching up with the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm kind of getting like the roundabout way to this because it's just been – game two just stank so hard that it kind of permeated game three for me mm-hmm. a little bit. I, it, the thing about playoff basketball, at least for me, is it, it is only one game. But when the stink is that bad, it, it's hard sometimes to differentiate that. And I can't imagine what it's like for the players. Like when you're sitting there watching mm-hmm. game two kind of happen, what, what what's – what what is your thought process as you're just watching them get just shellacked? Yeah, I mean, it does kind of make you question like game one, and it <laughs> made you question like how, like how kind of valid was a win like that? Because realistically, like we didn't play great in game one. It still we matters. We just didn't play. Yeah, like we just didn't play as awful as the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So it was obviously hard to watch because it's like, okay, well, does that mean that the Lakers have to consistently play that bad in order for us to have any shot at the series? So that was kind of my thought process throughout it of like a little bit concerned about that. Um, Also seeing, I mean, we'll get into this more, but kind of seeing changes that they made in game one that were positive. And then in game two, they kind of threw them out the window. So then it was like, okay, so (laughs) is that are you not going to stick with those things? And we'll talk more about that. But I, I don't think you're alone in the sentiment that the the game itself was a bit of fool's gold. Perhaps I'm talking about game one. But mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily how much of that is totally true in that anybody who's ever listened to this podcast before and heard me before, I am not the most optimistic person. So consider that when I say this. I think there were some good mm-hmm. things to be found in game one. Game two was just, just righteously bad. There's no way around it. It's the kind of game to yeah. shoot into the moon. Uh, there's certainly things you can take from it. Yes. But I think the vast majority of that was poor decision-making, but also not being able to hit the broadside of a bar. Mm-hmm. Looking at this Lakers team between AD and LeBron, you kind of have to pick your poison on which one's going to get you in game two. Mm -hmm. LeBron didn't really get you, but AD did Mm -hmm. to the point where it was, and it wasn't like death by a thousand cuts. It was death by a thousand hand grenades. Uh, He was getting wherever Mm -hmm. he wanted, getting to the free throw line, just being, you know, a MVP candidate, you know, as, as one does. There's not, he was very efficient. He played very efficiently, yeah. Game three, you had takeover, goaded, you know, LeBron Twitter account stand game where he's just a (laughs) absolute truck of a human being going down the middle of the lane. And that's, I think, when you look at LeBron James, his iconic moments aren't, you know, 30-foot pull-ups. They aren't step-back fadeaway jumpers. They're, I'm going to be a force of will that I impose on your entire defense for four quarters, and I'm going to dunk, I'm going to spin, I'm going to drop step, I'm going to euro step, I'm going to go through contact, I'm going to finish the rim over and over Mm -hmm. and over again, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. 
when those two things are firing at the same mm-hmm. time, <laughs> LeBron and AD, it's very problematic. But Portland made a change, and this is the first thing mm-hmm. we'll kind of take a look at um, to start game three. And I thought it was interesting that it went to it right away, and that was starting Hassan Whiteside and Yusuf Nurkic together. What was your first impression yes. from the start of that game, how the cycle of the, the rotation went, how they kind of handled the entire situation, and, and would you continue to do it going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, like, the reason that's happening is because Zach is out. Um, so if Zach was there, obviously, I would not want to see that happen. <laughs> um, I wasn't upset about it. But I also, I don't know, I felt kind of mixed on it because I felt like there were moments where I was like, okay, this is really working. And then there were also moments where I was kind of like, mm, okay, maybe not. Like, I felt like I was going back and forth. Like, I didn't really have a strong feeling one way or the other. Um, what about the Hassan Whiteside effect? But, yeah, basically, <laughs> my entire, my as we know from last time, my entire uh, thought process on him. Um, yeah, I mean, I felt very mixed. I think... Um, it just depends. Cause I think that even with those two players, sometimes they are very inconsistent in themselves at times. So yeah. it, it's hard to kind of be like, Oh yeah, I really want that to happen. Cause it's like, well, it depends which version of them that we did <laughs> and whether or not I'm going to like that lineup. So, um, yeah, I mean, I feel honestly, like, I know it's probably a bad answer, but like, I don't feel super strongly one way or the other on that just cause I think like it really just depends, um, on you know how they handle it yeah i get that to an extent i'm i'm to the point where i love winyan gabriel i love the energy he brings i love the mm-hmm. competitiveness they, they're not gonna let winyan gabriel play defense on anthony davis he he had a good solid probably five six minutes in game one where he was physical as hell with ad and it seemed to de- definitely bother him get him off his game winyan put him put ad on his butt a couple times yeah that game the the message yeah. was sent to the league office that Wenyon cannot uh, be allowed to be that physical with AD, and that's what leads to the uh, parade line to the free throw line. And I would like to see Wenyon get a bit more of an opportunity, but I understand why they go with, with Nurkic and White, so why they'll continue to go it. To be honest, even if Zach was healthy, yeah. I think they would flirt with the idea of Hassan and Nurk at the same time if for yeah. no reason to say, okay, Lakers – we know, we, we know you can't shoot consistently. Let's wall off and, and do what we can here. The problem is, yeah. have you ever seen anybody wall off for an entire game, let alone a series against LeBron James? I, I, I haven't. Yeah. Haven't. <laughs> so it's, it's – Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what's tough about it. So you don't really know what you're going to do with that, but – if you put it into a team scheme with those two in there, you're kind of going operating under the idea that you're going to make some mistakes and you're going to allow some threes and you just want to try and limit the, the Danny greens and Catavius Caldwell Pope's of the world from getting really clean looks. Uh, Danny green channeled uh, former Danny green. and was actually successful in knocking down threes in game three, which again yeah. is problematic. Yeah, he actually, he actually did what he was supposed to be done. Danny yeah. Green did a really good job of pretending to be Danny Green for a game. I really wish he would not do that kind of going forward. But yeah. the the damage that was done wasn't that bad. I mean, where where it becomes problematic is LeBron has one of his three-point games where he goes four of eight from three, yeah. and he knocked down more than anybody in that game. But you get two more from Green. You get three more from Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, none of the other guys showed him did anything. Morris, Kuzma, Caruso. I think Caruso hit one. Um, but yeah. I think you have to at least live with the fact that the Lakers shot 33% from three. That's mm-hmm. that's probably about as good as they're going to get. Like They're not going to go yeah. leaps and bounds above that. Where they've got to be better is that, that interior defense. Um, what, what's been kind of your, your takeaway from the overall scheme and effort and uh, implementation of, of what we've seen defensively so far. Yeah. So going into the series, obviously the bid thing was like, we're not a team that plays a lot of zone defense mm-hmm. and going into the series, obviously that needed to happen. <laughs> um, and in game one, they did play 
zone every once in a while. Like it wasn't a ton, but they did. And that was when they tend to be the most successful against the Lakers. That is in my mind, like that is what they need to, to do in order to be successful against them. And in game two, that completely went out the window. And then in game three, like it really wasn't there a whole lot either. So that was kind of one of those things where I was saying like in game one, they made that change of we're not a, like we're not a zone defense team. They did it in game one. It was successful when they did it. And then they just kind of threw it out the window again. So that confused me. So I'm like, I don't understand, you know, if you saw that it was successful, why did you now stop doing this in the other games? So that I'm hoping moving forward, that's something that they recognize <laughs> and do like implement that more. Um, but that's really the biggest thing for me is, is that, but then as well as fouling, obviously, um, we're just fouling way too much across the board. <laughs> and yeah. so I think those are, those are the two, two like big things with defense that's really hurting us is not playing zone enough. And then, you know, just fouling way too much throughout early, like very early on fouls too. Yeah. The fouling is problematic. Um, I'm using that word a lot because this, this series is basically, if you had, if I had to sum it up, I would just call it problematic. Just, you, you, there's not a lot of good problematic, answers. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing is there's just not a lot of good yeah. answers for, for Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. That's what makes it MVP candidates. Uh, defensively. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that they have thrown some junk looks out there. Uh, Terry Stotts has in the past, when he goes to those kind of sets, goes to those kind of schemes, he limits them just so a defense can't, or excuse me, just so an offense can't get used to it. Um, the other part of it is it, it requires, especially if you're doing it with Nurkic and Whiteside and Carmelo Anthony, you have three guys out there who, for lack of a better purpose, are anchored to the paint. They don't want to go outside the, the paint. They don't feel comfortable yeah. out there. They don't move their feet out there well. Yeah. Their first natural inclination is, I want no part of this. Let me drop back to where my comfort zone is, where I can protect the rim and use my big body. But when you're running a zone defense, mm -hmm. somebody's got to be at the point of attack. Somebody's got to be at the middle of the floor and somebody's got to be able to recover to corners. And that's not using those personnel optimized. Right. So it's kind of like this weird yeah. give and take of where you implement that, how you implement that. I have liked overall what Portland has done defensively. Um, I like the fact that they've shown doubles mm -hmm. at Anthony Davis. They've, they've, they've shown a lot of the same looks, um, that uh, LaMarcus Aldridge used to see, especially in that mid post where they would dig down from the top uh, and, and make him have to pause or hesitate. Yeah. You know, they're waiting for that first dribble, kind of digging down hard, uh, showing when he catches on the mid post or on the baseline uh, on a deep post, uh, they're getting down for the full double quickly, testing his passing instincts. And the Blazers have gotten a few deflections, gotten a few steals out of it. The one thing I would question is doubling LeBron James that's that can be dangerous uh in, yeah. in game one when Portland even though they won if Markeith Morris Danny Green Contavious Paulwell Pope if they if they catch the looks and knock down the shots that LeBron puts on the table for them Portland probably loses that game that, that that's the reality yeah. of that but the flip side is Portland isn't down what 20 23 free throws at halftime in game two or to me in game three, Portland maybe looks a little bit better uh, and feels a little bit more comfortable. And they're able to weather the storm a bit more proportional in that God awful third mm -hmm. quarter, which I don't, even, I don't even know. I want to talk about third quarters because I'm just, I'm so sick and tired of crappy yeah. third quarters. What, what's, what's your theory yeah. on, on God awful third quarters? I want to hear it. Well, why are My they theory? Happening? Yeah, why are they happening? What is causing them? I need you to give the answers right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have a theory. No, I feel no like conspiracies, what's crazy no, is... no, no, nothing? Like nobody's spiking the water? <laughs> oh, well, what, what's crazy to me is I feel like, uh, I forget which season it was, but I feel like a couple seasons ago, it was the opposite where I felt like we were stronger in third quarters. A lot of times, like we'd come after, come was, out after halftime and we were strong. Yeah. It was the first yeah, quarter. So they the were fact a disaster. That it, they would, they would have a poor start and then third quarter, they come out and drop a 40 point quarter. Yeah. So like, to me, it's obviously like, you know, they, they, they kind of uh, regroup in the locker room during halftime. They, they kind of talk it out, figure out what they're doing. And then now it's like, is that, happening and they just 
are not able to implement that or like I don't I, I I honestly I don't have any crazy theory it's confusing to me because it's the opposite of how I think in most situations how it should be and the fact that it consistently is happening I mean I don't know like is someone in the locker room terrible at pep talks and it's like no one like I don't know they're just coming out like not hyped up and I just not want to know if it, ready to go about like, I don't know what's causing that I just want to know if anybody's thought about using a cattle prod. Like, I know it's extreme, but just like, <laughs> it's a thought. I mean, just because the, yeah. the listlessness and the flatness, the Blazers know about this. Like, they're they're not unaware. Yeah. And the people are, well, Coach Dodge has got to be better. Da, 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 da. They know. Trust me, they're trying yeah. different things. They're They're going, they've come out with different lineups. They've come out running different sets. Like, there are, like, there's so much going on behind the scenes of people. Oh, they just did this. If it was that simple, those problems wouldn't exist, yeah. not only for the Blazers, but for any other team in the world. And I'm not excusing it. I'm not excusing yeah. it in any way, shape, matter, or form. But it's not something that they're not trying to address. Trust me. It's not a lack of try or a lack of care. It's yeah. There's something else going on. I just don't know what it is. Uh, but they, they have to figure it out. Because, well, I wonder if like... – No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I wonder if they're almost trying to change too much, like that they come out and they're almost trying because they there are so many, especially, you know, the bench players. We do have so many young players who mm-hmm. right now are playing bid roles that maybe they're kind of being overloaded with their they're asked to change too much in a way where it's like it's just causing confusion. And like that's the only thing really that like I can think of is like so that would make sense of like maybe they're like yeah, like maybe, you know, they're like, okay, here are the things we need to fix. And they go out and then it's just like, it's too much at once. And then it, they get worse, which I mean, uh, no, uh, could it, be. It's, it's, it's an interesting but... I like it. Uh, Coach Dodge just needs to take the ball and just not say anything and just let everybody just like, all right, hey, hey we're just, just going to go out there and hoop. And like, not metaphorically, but yeah. physically go on the court and roll the ball out. Like, you know, basketball practice is open. I don't know anybody, <laughs> I don't know anybody else. Every basketball practice yeah. I always went to, especially when, when you're starting a season or something like that, coach grab a ball off the rack and roll it out. That was the unofficial start of practice. You know, like, all right, yeah. let's go. I mean, I, I wouldn't be against it. I mean, I'm, I'm all for all kinds of, of theories and thoughts and conspiracies and changes. Uh, also, cattle prods. Uh, physical yeah. pain is, is, a, is a fantastic <laughs> motivator. It, it, it doesn't usually last long, but yeah. it, it'll be a short series if they don't figure it out here soon. Um, speaking of short series and figuring it out, yeah. um, how about knocking down open three-point shots? I think it's a good place to start. I was looking at this before we sat down. Let me put my number Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I was, it's one of those things where I wanted to write about it, but it was one of those things where also I wanted to sleep. So uh, I, I don't get to do a lot of the former anymore. So I wanted to just kind of figure that out. So overall, yeah. in three games, Portland is uh, 33%, 33% on four plus to six plus feet wide open threes. That's not good. You want to be around 45%. Yeah. Uh, this is small sample size theater kind of deal. Uh, but Six plus feet. We're talking butt naked. Just checking the wind. Hallelujah. Wide open threes. Portland is 12 of 32. And I don't say this as like, they need to figure this out. I say this as the, you know, law of of statistics here is going to come back around on them sometime. It may not be this series. It may be next season. But it needs to come back around sooner. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is 0 for 6 on open threes which if you would have told me that two weeks ago, I would have punched mm-hmm. you in the face and called you a liar. And how dare you besmirch <laughs> the name of Gary Trent Jr. You heathen. Yeah. Um, what, 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 what yeah, do you think? Uh, he really it... made a. No, no, go ahead. We, no, we... he really, he made, made a turn uh, shooting wise. He's, mm-hmm. I think he's still been playing well, obviously. Like he has been, you know, he's Primary been there in the task a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, especially for a young guy, like, is going to take a lot out of you. So I, I am not going to be too hard on him about his overall performance. But, yeah, shooting – like, he's made a couple big threes, um, especially in game one. He had a couple big ones towards the end. But, yeah, I mean, compared to where he was, you know, yeah, two weeks ago, different player. But yeah. um, I think a big part of it is the fact that he is having to deal with LeBron James. That, that is going to wear you yeah. out. That is going to take some out of your legs. It's going to take some out of your body. 
he's had a bunch of shots, I think, just kind of rim out. He also had the Danny Green special in game one where he hit the side of the backboard, I think, two or three times. Uh, I, I don't know what was going yeah. on in game one. I don't know if they changed the background or, or what, but guys were just slamming the side of the backboard. And the, the, rim was, the rim was tilted. Right? Well, the rim was tilted, but they weren't even hitting the rim. They were hitting the side of the backboard. It may not have been Dwight that no. tilted the yeah. rim. It, it may have been the shots hitting the side of the backboard so hard that it tilted the rim. <laughs> It made me feel a lot better about my runs at 24 yeah. hour fitness. That's, that's all I'm going to say. I, I have hit this to the side of the backboard. <laughs> I, I hate yeah. corner threes. I, I, are you, are you a corner three shooter? Or are you above the break? Which one do you, what, if you're out on the um, floor, which one, which one's yours? Probably corner. Oh, okay. So I feel like that's typically, yeah, I don't yeah, play no. a lot, but when I know, yeah, when I do it, that's that's typically yeah. That's I feel the, like I don't know. That's the Kindle hotspot. That just you get your two K hotspots in the corners. Yeah, <laughs> like anytime you know, anytime I've ever done it. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, on on that though, kind of what you said about uh, with Derry Trent LeBron, I think Mello is dealing with a similar situation where I think um, you know you talked about him. Like he's obviously he's been playing great in the fourth quarter, and last night he played great in the third quarter. But for the rest of the game, he's been, yeah, he's been struggling a lot. And I think part of it is he does look kind of tired at times. And I think it's because he's been guarding LeBron quite a bit. And he actually has been guarding him fairly well. Um, Not amazing, but I think to mellow standards, like he has been guarding him pretty well. And I think he's just so not used to that, that I think that's wearing him out a lot. Because not only is he not really used to playing defense, he's definitely not used to Dame put on LeBron consistently. He's also 36. So I think he <laughs> also that. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. We're similar to like what you were saying with uh Gary Trent Juniors. Yeah. I think that's a similar situation where you know he's getting worn out with that and that's affecting him um more on the offensive end. Yeah, trying on defense is actually gonna wear you down a little bit. I, I know that's I know that's problematic yeah. for some guys in the league uh to give consistent effort. And I was hard on Carmelo after game three. Yeah. Uh I, I was on the show. And that was I think it was for good reason. Uh that first half of basketball was basically everything that I had was terrified of when they signed him. Just ball stopping, just yeah. blatantly, disgustingly awful offense. He got so caught up in the in the back and forth, looked off Gary Trent Jr. twice, looked off CJ um, just maniacally bad. And then he gets a little run going in the, in the third quarter and all is forgiven. It's like, no, man, yeah. I'm looking at, at, at everything up and down. He's got the worst plus minus on the team. He's shooting under 36% from the floor, not from three, from the floor. Like spot up yeah. mellow, the, the, the guy that was yeah. doing really well in the bubble who would every now and then take advantage of a mismatch on the low block and not 16 feet from the hoop. Like he took all of that and shot it into the sun. And it's been frustrating. Like, yeah, he hit a big three in game one. Cool. I'm worrying about the other 35 minutes. That doesn't put you in that position in the first place. And I I do have to say to your credit, to, to your point, he did play consistently better defense on LeBron and even a couple times on AD. But I'm willing to give that up if I get smarter offensive LeBron, or excuse me, smarter offensive Carmelo Anthony back. Mm-hmm. I, I just I would rather have Absolutely, yeah. the the guy because he's not saving enough points defensively to give up the offensive points. If that makes sense, if you're looking at like it's the mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony exchange rate. Yeah, you give up five offensive points for every one point saved defensively, and that's just not not worth it. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I agree. No, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, like he's been playing like to his standard of, you know, what we're used to saying, he's been playing decent defense. But yeah, I don't think that that trade-off is worth it in that situation. If if we only do get one or the other from him, um, I definitely would rather take, you know, him being stronger on offense and which yeah is which is say, right? realistically what we needed yeah <laughs> a team that's just yeah. bereft of defense somebody starts showing a little bit and it's like no nah, no nah, i need you to do that less <laughs> i need you to focus on the other end of the floor and go yeah. get points because the, re- the realistic point of yeah. is is outside of damian lillard the productivity is hurting CJ had a mm-hmm. bad game, but he had a major bounce back game. Then he had a so-so game. But I mean, you look at Portland scoring yeah. right now. 
in three games, it's small sample size theater, but you've got 29 from Dame, 21 from CJ, 12 from Nurk, 11 from Mello. And let's roll it back to Nurk real quick. Nurk's gas. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he's never played. I don't, I don't know if it's career. more that he's. No, go that's ahead. true. I, to me, like, I feel like, I think he does look tired often, but I also feel like even starting out, he's not coming out strong and dominant the way that he typically does. Like even the way he was in a lot of the seeding, the seeding games, he was kind of back and forth, but the times when he did come out really strong, like we're not really seeing that. So I think that part of it is towards the end of the game, he is getting tired, but I also think like, he's just not playing well from the beginning. He's getting a ton of fouls right off the bat. They have to pull him out. He's not like, he's just not, playing the way that he needs to be from the very beginning. I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Clearly he had a tragedy <laughs> in his life uh, with his grandmother, Hannah passing away. Yes. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, I can, I can imagine what it's like. I, I've, I've had friends and family pass away when I was deployed overseas. Um, it's not an easy thing to deal with. Um, especially if you're, if you're incredibly close to somebody. So yeah. If for anybody out there who wonders why I haven't been that hard on Nurk, that's why. I mean, I, I understand, yeah. like, mentally, no matter what you can do, you could be as physically ready as possible. He's playing more minutes than he's ever played in his career. He hasn't played for 18 months, and yeah. now he's playing 33, 34, 35 minutes after being a career 24, 25 guy. Like, I don't think people understand the, the yeah. difference between a 25-minute-a-game guy and a 34-minute-a-game guy when you're seven foot tall, nearly 300 pounds. It seems like, yeah. And, then and it, th- doesn't, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is. Oh, it's a ton. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's literally 33% more time than a guy is getting yeah. used to, to going up. And it's just, you throw on that, you throw on the fact they're playing every other game, and so is everybody else. But not everybody else had a family member die. Not everybody else has been uh, out of basketball for 18 months. And yes, he did his conditioning and got ready and all those things. He's got some extenuating circumstances. It's not he's same, got though, He's yeah. got some mental blocks. The flip side is yeah. we see these flashes of brilliance, a la game one, where he's running and leading the fast break continuously. The offense is running through them. He's affecting things yeah. on both ends. We've been missing that the last two games, and – there's been a couple times, particularly in game three, where he ran the pick and roll, got the pocket pass from Damian Lillard. Uh, the Lakers have done a really good job about getting just kicking the living crap out of every Damian Lillard pocket pass. Um, like it, it, it's, it's hilarious. It's like they just don't, don't want it to get through. They do not want that. They, they would take mm-hmm. the kickball and the reset clock, and they just don't want that pass to get through. They, they just go for it endlessly. Um, but Nurk has also caught those on those short rolls found guys open, they haven't knocked down shots. Mm-hmm. The flip side is Nurk has caught those and gone to the rim yeah. and then tried to finish like a six-foot guy at the YMCA as opposed to the seven-foot guy we saw just putting yeah. guys in the hoop uh, just a week ago. So yeah, I mean, that dynamic's different. Yeah, I mean, his – his yeah, like his – I forget, I'll have to pull it up. But, yeah, I mean, his field goal percentage like in the paint right now is – Oh, it's a disaster. Not good at all. No, no. He's, yeah, and he's it's like shooting thirty nine percent from the floor. Yeah, no, he's shooting thirty nine yeah. percent from the floor. That's inexcusable. That 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 yeah. part of it has got to go away. Yeah. He's rebounding yeah. well. He's at ten a game right now. He's I think he's second on the team in assists. He's second on the team in assists. Um, like he's. Mm-hmm. You look at Dame, CJ, and Nurk. They're all about a minus six overall right now through three games. Obviously a lot of that's being skewed by game two yeah. when they just got throttled. Um, but yeah. he's, he's gotta be better. That's, that's just the reality. Yeah. And, and to lift that up, Hassan Whiteside has to be better because Hassan Whiteside in game one, Hey, Hassan Whiteside game two and three, nowhere to be found that. The, so you've got two big men who you were hoping to be able to and he's, he's rely on. To, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's back to, you know, not to, not to go back to my, my hatred, my hating on him. No, but, he's settling for shots. Uh, like, I already know where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he's, he's gone back to making just, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and he's even doing like, there's how many times I was watching and he just did like really stupid things. <laughs> and it was just like back to what he was doing in the regular season a mm-hmm. lot of the time. And it was just like, like he would, he would play great for, 
a 10 minute span. And then all of a sudden he would just make a couple plays that was just like, Compounding what, what are you doing? Yeah. 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 And, and it seems like he has been better in the bubble about not doing that. And in the seeding games, like he, he wasn't consistently doing that the way he was in the regular season. And I feel like the past two games, he's gone right back into making those mistakes pretty regularly. And it's like, that's, you can't do that. You no. can't, you can't revert back to that. Um, no, you can't. And, and that, that's kind of the frustration with this team is that they're, they're not far off from being able to get another game on this Lakers team. I still think the Lakers win this series. Yeah. Uh, like I said, after they, after the Blazers yeah. won game one, I was like, I, I was talking a lot of junk on Twitter and, and I, I don't regret it, but I also have had to mute like half the conversations I have on Twitter right now because of Laker fans, which fine. I'll, I'll take that. It's been fun. Oh yeah. We had to enjoy our moment. Oh, absolutely. Any chance you get to troll Laker fans, especially like the 18 to 24 year old group who their entire existence is, is founded on just lies. Uh, it's great. You know, Laker, Laker exceptionalism not existing for nearly a decade was fantastic. But let's get to some listener questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Strong at Broncos Squared. You better not be a Denver Broncos fan. If you are, I, I hate you almost as Lakers fans, just so we're clear. Uh, yeah. Shout out the Raiders. Uh, <laughs> has our defense improved or are the Lakers shooting woes that real? The answer is yes. Uh, it's yes to both. The Blazers' yeah. defense has been better. Yeah. I think it's been more on a string, more committed. Uh, they've certainly been more physical. Mm, that's not always great, but it is better in that sense. But the Lakers are a yeah. god-awful shooting team. They, they, I know it wouldn't seem Especially like that first game was <laughs> all-time awful. Yeah, I'm sure you talked about it. But, yeah, the percentage is second from three, second worst – all-time record in, in playoffs like they shot the worst um just field goal percentage the worst all season that they'd shot mm-hmm. right yeah or it was yeah yeah no the worst they, like they, it just awful yeah god awful the flip side is they were the worst mid-range shooting team in the in, in the league and lebron and ad definitely don't help that i believe it was like they were combined 35 or 36 i can't remember but they were atrocious for mid-range then all of a sudden Anthony Davis turns yeah. into the mid-range god. So that's kind of how you yeah. have to deal with this Lakers team is that they're fully capable of hitting every shot on the floor. However, the one thing that they can rely on endlessly is points in the paint. LeBron, AD, Dwight, mm-hmm. JaVale. It doesn't, they, they've got an endless list of guys that they can just throw the ball at the rim and they just go dunk it. It doesn't matter if Hassan's in there. It doesn't matter if Dirk's in there. It doesn't matter if Zach's healthy. They're going to feast in there no matter what. You're just trying to yeah. limit those things. Or because we'll foul them. Yes. <laughs> They're going to draw the foul every time. They don't make They'll draw the foul. Yeah. So, yeah. But overall, yeah, Guaranteed yes, to get a point somehow. The, the Blazers' defense has been better. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it has. I mean, I think um, – yeah, I mean, like I said, I think game one, like seeing them play more zone than they typically ever have was a positive thing. I think that that is the best. Obviously, you can't play zone the entire game. That's not going to work. But I think they need to utilize that more than they typically do in most games. And hopefully, you know, moving forward, they do that more. But I think they have been uh, – game two, not so much. Last night, not a whole lot. But game one, they really – were utilizing it more than normal um and that was a very positive sign um as well as like I've been pretty impressed with CJ's defense even just in the seeding games in general I think that he he's had some moments that's not been great but I think overall like he's uh played some pretty good defense um which is not he has the past season he has been playing better but I think that um I've noticed a lot more you know in the seeding games and and you know in the playoffs now like he has been more consistent um which I think him as an individual, that's huge. But yeah, I think overall it definitely is. Um, it is better. The fouling obviously is a huge problem, but I think um, the defense as a whole has improved and has gotten better. The it's a little bit of a side, just because it's like it's better, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not better. Does not mean good. exactly. 
Exactly. It, just because it's better doesn't mean yeah. it's all of a sudden workable. There are certainly thing, things that need to be cleaned up. And this is kind of leading me to this next question. Uh, it's from OGXG fan, NBA commenter. Why haven't the Blazers started Trent yet? In my view, they've got to optimize the offense and put as many shoes on the floor at a time as possible. I'll tell you one reason why. I'll, I'll give you two. Anthony Davis and LeBron James. If you start yeah. Carmelo Anthony at the four with Anthony Davis at the four, Good luck. There aren't enough points in the world to score. They just are. That's he will eat him up endlessly. There's there's nothing there. Yeah. There's there's no. Yeah. Well, maybe you should start Gary Trent Jr. and Whiteside. Okay, cool. Well, I'll go on record saying it again. No, you can't because the promise was made to Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony is starting. Yeah. That that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed once. No matter what has happened. So until that that like, gets through people's head, I'm just going to keep repeating that. Carmelo Anthony is starting. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't know how I don't know how effective a dentalators would be to have three small guys and then two seven footers. Like I think there needs there needs the to new be NBA, someone. Baby. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think with certain teams like that to work. I, I a dentalators like I don't I don't think that that would be a smart decision at all. But. Well, you're putting Gary Trent Jr. on LeBron James basically for thirty plus minutes then. And then you're putting Carmelo yeah. Anthony on, on, on Anthony Davis for, for probably 25-plus minutes. Then when Whiteside comes in and AD goes to the five, you've got Whiteside on Anthony Davis. This sounds like a lose-lose-lose-lose-lose scenario. And I just yeah. – I get yeah. the whole – like, I want to start Gary Trent Jr. I, I do. Yes. They can't. Just not in this – they can't – yeah, they can't in this series. It doesn't – Going forward? You know, if we, if, you know, if, yeah, oh, no, I mean, going forward, like, if, you know, things work out and, you know, we end up playing most likely the Rockets, like, that's a team I could see that working a little yes. bit better against. Yeah, but even, then the we could go like, with Carmelo at, at the four yeah. and be, yeah, be fine because he's matching up with, what, mm-hmm. like, Eric Gordon at the four or P.J. Tucker at the four or Robert Covington at the four. Yeah. Like, it's, it's. Some yeah. weird combination. I saw, uh, was it uh, NBA 2K changed Eric Gordon's uh, positioning from uh, point guard, shooting guard to shooting guard forward the other day. And I was like, Eric Gordon's like two inches taller than me. How the hell is he a forward in the NBA? It's a, it's a weird world. Yeah. I had a Laker fan, a decent one, they do exist, ask me a <laughs> couple. Yeah, I know a couple. Question. Um, let me see where'd it go. It was asking as a Laker guy, what do you think is the ble- be- yeah, the Blazers' best answer to the lineups with eighty at the five? That's from Phil Sizemore. Uh, Phil, you get one. Everybody gets one. So there you go. Um, <laughs> I think it's doing what they're doing now. As as much as I'm not yeah. fully here for Carmelo Hassan at the three four, or or excuse me, uh, Carmelo Hassan at the three five with Nurk at the four you're kind of dealing with the cards you're dealt with them not yeah. allowing Wenyon to be physical at all. Uh, the, yeah. But I think it was the first, the second and the fourth, if I remember correctly, the Blazers were in the penalty with over six minutes to go in each quarter. That's how the hell are you supposed to defend LeBron and AD when you're in the penalty that soon? That's 15 fouls just like yeah. that. Like, so you've, what you've got to do is just put as much length as you humanly possible out there. And a lot of prayer, maybe sacrificing a small animal, some sage. I don't, I don't know. Anybody else got anything? I, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I, I am like, listen, there's, there's only so many schemes and game plans that you can put out there that matter when you're talking about all-world players. Like, I mean, yeah. are, you, are you seeing anything different or that, you know, that, that they yeah. should be doing? Is there anything that you want to see them try uh, as far as, you know, lineup, construction, rotation, substitutions to handle AD and LeBron? As far as lineups, no. I think we're kind of doing, like you said, we're doing what we can. Um, what I personally think needs to happen, um, or something I at least would like to see them try, um, is I think they need to turn LeBron into the primary scorer. Like, he, I think LeBron is the most dangerous when he is facilitating 
the plays and he's doing all that. And he, because LeBron is that player who he makes everyone around him better. And even though like, yes, that team is not deep. They don't have a ton of great shooters or anything. He is at least the last couple of games, like he has been able to pull that out of those people at least a little bit enough to win. So I think if you shut down that and turn him into the primary scorer and make him shoot more, like, yes, he's going to get a ton of points, you know, driving to the rim. He's going to get all those points. But if you make him shoot primarily, he's not going to make as much as if he's facilitating. He's he's not going to get as many points for the team as a whole. And I think that that would be a way – to kind of like, you know, just shut off everyone else and make LeBron just kind of do his thing and just shut off everyone else and make him like he can't facilitate things. He needs to just be the primary store. You're onto it. That's the same thing I said kind of coming into the series. And I know Portland lost game three, but let's take this quarter by quarter. Mm -hmm. Portland won the first quarter by four. They tied in the second quarter. They lost the fourth quarter by one. Third quarter, 40 to 29. That's the quarter. It wasn't that the Blazers just fell apart or the defense or the offense. That it was just, it was the Blazers playing sloppy, not hitting open shots. Because all of a sudden, yep. the Lakers were grabbing and going, grabbing and going, grabbing and going. Open look, open look, transition, open look. When you don't control the pace, the easiest way to control the pace in the game isn't to take your time on shots. It's to make shots. Make the opponent pull the ball yep. out of the basket, get your defense set on the other end. Blazers, in general, transition, offense and defense, is awful. It's, it's, it's the worst yeah. in the league. It, it's, it's what it is. And it stems from the fact the that only positive is The only positive is Dame hitting his deep threes. That's the only transition the sec- that yes. we see that's ever successful. It's, it's either the That's early pull-up from deep or him as the trailer, in which we saw in game three when uh, CJ found mm-hmm. him, he gave a little pump fake, checked the wind, and, and hit the trailer three. Yeah. That's the Blazers' transition offense. They, we, we've seen yeah. Gary Trent Jr. get a steal and try to go the other way. Guess what he did? He looked over his shoulder waiting for LeBron's chase down block, looking for AD, looking for that length to, to come up from behind. Why? Because Portland doesn't have these six-foot-eight, six-foot-nine freak wing unicorns, whatever the hell you want to call them, who get out in transition and get you basically a guaranteed two every time. So with that, you've got to control. Imagine if we had Ariza right now. He is. I mean, realistically, it's so crazy to think that Ariza could, no kidding, be the difference between the Blazers being, you know, down 2-1 to being up 2-1. Well, Rodney had two to an extent. Yeah. And again, they are massive. They aren't massive changes, but they're incremental enough to probably have swung one of these games. That, that's that's yeah. that's the reality. Uh, probably not game two because I think that yeah. one was kind of written in stone. <laughs> that was yeah. <laughs> I don't think we could have yeah. Not a whole lot could have helped us in that situation. But again, when we take a look at this at, at, at game three, it was within Portland's grasp, and everybody can complain about the officiating. It was crappy, but they could have controlled things a lot better by being more aggressive yeah. and putting the onus on the officials, which Dame tried to do, which is why he got to get the line, what, 14 times, I think is what it was? Uh, yeah, 14. 14 free throws. Uh, the rest of the team got there for five. Five. That's what happens when you flip a shot up at the rim or settle for a fadeaway or a contested hook shot or a step back leaning fadeaway because you wanted a ball stop for eight seconds on a possession. Each one is yeah. bad by itself, but again, compounding errors. And yeah. against a team like the Lakers, they're so good with those two guys that they can make up for just stupid play after stupid play, both their opponents and their own. And the Blazers, they're just a step below that. So they've got to be tighter. They've got to be better. They've got to be more consistent. Yeah. And with that, let's kind of throw it forward into game four. Uh, this podcast we're recording here Sunday night. I'm probably going to put it out here either uh, Sunday night or Monday morning, depending on how tired I get. <laughs> and uh, with that, when you look at game four, what do you want to see? I mean, everybody wants to see a Blazers win. But what are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's all the different things I've talked about. It's, you know, trying to figure out like hitting open threes, getting back to making those shots. Um, but then on defense specifically is stop fouling constantly, especially earlier on. Um, I want to see more zones earlier on or just throughout the game. Like we saw in game one, see a little bit more of that. 
Uh, and then the way I said, you know, turning LeBron into the primary scorer. I think if you combine all of these things and you really work on those, like I think that that's going to give us the best shot. So basically a repeat of game three, really but your shots. Yeah. Which, which I, I don't think much. it's a bad game plan. I, I genuinely don't. I think that's an effective way to go about it. There have been some different wrinkles. Carmelo Anthony's been put in more pick and rolls as a primary screener uh, to, to kind of pick and pop and then with Nurk diving on the backside or Hassan diving on the backside to pull a little bit more gravity to allow for some more space for Dame to work through there. Um, I, I think they need to find a way to get Nurkic more involved, mostly just in the pick and roll. Uh, when he's out there, I, I think mm-hmm. it's a good idea to work through him the other thing is, is that when Dame's off the floor, I think they need to find a way to keep Nurk in the game. I think they may need to have Nurk come off the floor first and have Hassan stay out there um, and, and, and kind of handle things for a few minutes yeah. and then have Nurk come back in when Dame comes out. I think that there, there needs to be a little window in there when CJ's running things that it's not just CJ having to create endlessly without a secondary creator on the floor or a secondary yeah. initiator. That's having, true. Having Nurk work as a release valve for CJ in those instances, as opposed to Hassan Whiteside, who his sole purpose in life is to screen kind of, and then roll kind of. And then if it's there, maybe dunk. Yeah. Um, those, those are the small changes I think I'd like to see as far as rotations, but otherwise I think they've done decently enough. And the other part is they got to hit shots. I mean, you, yeah. you look at the shot distribution from the, the Gus game, 25 for CJ, 20 for Carmelo Anthony, 20 for Damian Lillard. I don't want to see Carmelo Anthony taking 20 shots again. I don't. It's just, no. I, I don't care that no. he finished nine of 20. Especially when most of them are not, most of them are not good looks yes. right now. I, I would rather see seven, eight of those shots go to a Gary Trent Jr. To see Nurk, maybe see if he can get his way going. Um yeah. To see Whiteside get some easier opportunities or to see Dame get more of those shots. I, I ultimately, I don't care that he had that. Like, I, it's not that I don't care. The fact that he got hot in the third quarter after playing that bad in the second quarter, it's, it's very minor for me as far as like my redemption quality. He was so bad in yeah. the first half that, he, that that buffer that they could have had that could have stopped that, that, that run in the third that would have, take it a four point Portland meet and made it a 12 point Portland league going into the half, you know, those kind of situations where the desperation isn't quite as palpable when you feel that steamroller getting ready to hit your foot. Um, and I think that's, those yeah. are the, the minor adjustments, but overall game plan, I think it went pretty well. Yeah. 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 I, w- I would like to also see just more aggression from Nurk on offense specifically, just him being more aggressive, a little more confident with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, game plan was like, yeah, I think that it was it was a big improvement in the third game. There just wasn't the, you know, the the shots were not dropping the way that they they should have. Um, so you know, hopefully, like to think they got that out of the way. Like game two and three, they kind of okay. Here are two games to miss all our shots, and yeah. <laughs> now game game four they're gonna come back and hopefully, um, you know, be a little more normal to their standard of you know hitting shots and um, and just being consistent. Because, you know, there's so many players on the team who on any given night can get 20 points. Yeah. And when you have that many players that can easily get minimum 15 points a night and you have multiple games between game two and three where a lot, multiple of them had less than – or had 10, 11, 12 points, it's like that, like – when you have that many players, like you can't have that many people not getting that. Not like you can yeah. afford to have one or two of them, but yeah, you can't have half of them not not deliver. So no. and you do um, have to give know, the Lakers some credit. That it's yeah, I mean the, they're they're playing good defense, but I've also seen people out here who were sitting here chanting for Alex Caruso uh, after Dame cooked him in the first half. Uh, that that you know yeah. he he put the clamps on Dame in the fourth quarter, and I'm just sitting there watching. And I'm like. No, he just missed shots that he normally hits, and he still finished. Yeah. Let me squint here real quick. 8 of 25 of 11 from 3 for 34.7 assists, 5 rebounds. And I'm like, that's clamps, huh? I'm, just, I don't, I don't, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not really feeling that one. But listen, you gotta, yeah. you, you got to give no. Laker fans something because they've had nothing for a decade. All right, so. Oh, they love Alex Caruso more than, more than I will ever understand. It's, but. it's weird. It's like having a fascination with an ugly dog. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. Can the Blazers get one of these next two and force a game six? Yes, absolutely. Um, will they? I've been saying, I think they will. I think that, I mean, Dame is very similar to LeBron in my mind. Of let's, like let's, let's call him Luca for tonight. Let's call him Luca for the night. Just, yeah. just to give him that Luca magic. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he'll maybe he'll hit a Dame winner for us tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, we won't mention yeah, your former I mean, employer Dame, here. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Um, I uh, especially you know after all the stuff that happened in the seating dames, and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm less inclined to root for you now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I completely got off track. Um, I'm but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that Dame is one of those players that, like, as long as he is involved and he is there and he's playing, like, I'm never going to count them out. So I yeah, think, I think like fair. similar to LeBron in that sense. And like, he's, he's one of those players that like at any given time, like he can take over and, and win a game. And I think especially, you know, with everything that's going on, like Dame is not going to just go out quietly, especially considering yeah. they have already won a game and they know like, okay, yes, obviously the Lakers played terribly, but like they know Someday. that we're still capable of exactly. winning a game. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So- so I mean, it's, it's like, still, thinking still no. So. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, right now, listen, I, I am too. I mean, uh, there's, there's, there's yeah. no shame I'll, in it. How they play tomorrow. Yeah, listen, I think depending you, on how they you, play you tomorrow. Adjust, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what part of this is, is you got to kind of understand how things go. Yeah. If the Blazers win tomorrow and they – and it's like a good win, and they play really strong. Then it's a I best of three series. Say so. I mean, the Blazers come out and win yeah. tomorrow. It's a best of three, and then, it, it, really? and then who knows? Is the pressure yeah. start shifting around? Does you know the Lakers' third best player, Kyle Kuzma, decide to shrivel up into a, a raisin and disappear? I mean, we can all hope. Uh, but we'll wrap it up yeah. on that. Uh, thank you for coming on, Kendall. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, um, you find me on Twitter at uh, Kendall Bennett sixteen. Uh, spelling it's K E N D Y L B E N N E T T one six. Um, probably be in the description below as well. But yeah, I pretty much just talk Blazers. So <laughs> absolutely, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it, um, folks. If you if you like having Kendall on here, go ahead and let us know in the comments. Uh, as I said, we're still working through trying to find our permanent co-host for. Um, the always lovable and effervescent uh, team mom, Tara Bone Biggs. Uh, shout out TCB. Um, TCB, TBB. Good mm-hmm. Lord. I almost said TC- I did say TCB. Oh, well, I'm rambling now. Uh, you can find me on Blazers Outsiders, NBC Sports <laughs> Northwest, following every post game or following every game uh, during the postseason, uh, whether NBC is carrying it or not. We have had some incredibly dope guests. Uh, I had to contain myself the other day. I had Rasheed Wallace on the show. Uh, post game on Thursday and I had Bonzi Wells on Saturday. Uh, we actually asked Bonzi if he would consider remixing, uh, can I get a headband? And we did not get an affirmative. No. So uh, that may be something we look forward to. Uh, we've got some more cool stuff. I can actually say this now uh, ahead of time. Joe and I will be virtual fans on Monday. We will be up on the board acting a fool. Uh, so if they lose, you can blame me just like you can blame Ian Carmel for being up on the board on the last game. Uh, other than that, you can find me on social media yeah. at Danny Morang at D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-R-A-N-G. And until next time, folks, make sure you rate, review, like, subscribe, do all the things that keep us relevant in that regard in the podcasting community. Uh, thanks, and we'll get you guys next week. Bye.